Hello, welcome back to Lamniforms Radio. My name is Ian Corey. I am the singer and songwriter in the band Lamniforms. Joining me today is a returning guest, Joseph Hurtado, who also produces music under the name Saint Thrilla and now under the name Young Moth. The last time Joey came on the podcast was actually the final in-person interview that I did that was released to the public before lockdown. So a lot has changed since then, to be sure. Uh, I was happy to have him back on because it's been a very eventful year plus for Joey. Uh, His brother, 303 Bam, released an album called Like It Was Nothing that really took off in the summer. And as I mentioned previously, Joey is now also releasing music under the name Young Moth that changes from his usual uh, harder kind of trap influence style to something much more chill, much more lo-fi. Joey has also become a, a co-host of a podcast himself, the National Meat Treasure Podcast, which sort of has a uh, drive time radio shooting the shit kind of vibe. Very different than this podcast, but a lot of fun if you like to listen to, uh, to people just kind of winging it and having a good time. And I wanted to have Joey on to talk about all these things, especially the lo-fi music situation, because this is something that I have been watching with some interest for a while now. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you probably noticed that I've been sort of keeping my eye on the aesthetics of softness and chillness in music. And I thought it would be great to have Joey on and kind of dig into the culture of lo-fi beat making and how it differs from the rest of the the broader hip-hop production world. Uh, I always love talking to Joey. It was great to have him back on, and I, I think that you'll enjoy the conversation. There's a lot of interesting stuff in this one. So it's funny what I was, you know, just sort of thinking back the last time I had you on the podcast was like December 2019. Wow. So you were kind of like the last, you're the last person I did in person, I think. It, no way, dude. M- maybe. No way. I can't, That's crazy. I'm, I'm trying to remember. No, you know what? That um, kind of would make sense because you do a lot of, you know, you do deal with a lot of people from out of town. Most people. Yes. You know. Yeah. So that totally makes sense. Yeah. It kind of like the format switched to that and it sort of worked out where both the, you know, the people that I wanted to interview and then the only way to interview anybody was to, to do it remotely. So it kind of, uh, you know, silver lining, I suppose, but yeah, yeah. you know, it's, we've hung out like briefly since then. Like a couple but, of times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess like the, the, you know, there's that old cliche about how, like, you know, your first album, you have your whole life to write it and your second album, you only have like two years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How, and it's sort of the same thing with like the first podcast uh, appearance. I get to ask you about your entire career up to that point. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah, yeah. all I have is the two years. But luckily, it's been, I think, a pretty eventful two years for you. Definitely. So, definitely. Yeah. How how have things been over the last two years? Oh man, things have been super weird. You know, I've, I've been, since we like last spoke, I've been, I've tried to do so many different things and gotten involved in so many different things, which have all been great, especially like with, uh, you know, my brother's music, we were able to start really, um, 
putting out like a lot a lot more content of quality that we were happy with um you mm-hmm. know to actually finally be moving in a very professional manner to be able like you know to to really earn that that title as like you know I am an active musician you know like I'm in the studio every week like paying for this session paying for these videos going in recording going back in changing things rewriting songs my brother especially has made like so much progress and he's you know we've seen a lot of great strides uh in our uh career mm-hmm. in the past two years which is which is fucking dope and it's been the same with me um as a producer you know i started finally putting more stuff out um you know just like through youtube and and things like that you know that's been uh that's been dope but i've mostly been concentrating on like you know the work with my brother and uh that's where like a lot of the magic is like really happening and that stuff translate over to like my personal like progress as a producer with different things that i'm trying to like you know release and so on and so forth which is pretty fun yeah yeah you know it's it's interesting i've been talking to a lot of as you know, a lot of the people that I've had on the podcast have been more in the sort of like band world or in the, the world that is more reliant on like touring Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And it seems, so a lot of the people that I've had on have been talking about how COVID has like affected that part of the music industry, but I haven't had too many people on that work specifically kind of on the back end the way that you do. So I'd be really interested in hearing your perspective on how COVID and lockdown and all of that stuff affected the like music production yeah. world rather yeah. than like the live music world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, I, f- I feel like a lot of music producers are introverts. So this mm-hmm. gave um just a lot of people that leeway to be like, Hey, look, I'm not allowed to go outside or do anything, but be, at my computer, you know, in the studio, at my desk, or, you know, so on and so forth. And it it put a lot of, um, I feel like it helps solidify the concept that, you know, it, it can totally be um, a legitimate career to make money and provide for yourself being a musician from home by, like, selling beats or sound packs or whatever, doing different kinds of social media content. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like the the whole like quarantine pandemic just the the whole covid-19 like the pandemic in general um i feel like forced people to to kind of step up to the plate um being that it's like look now i have no excuse you know uh people are quitting their jobs outside like i have to start you know like trying to sell these beats or you know put out this music that for people to listen to I don't know. Yeah. And I've, I, at least that's how I feel like for me. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you were kind of a, a bit ahead of the curve in terms of you were already advancing your like social media promotion game. Like we talked a lot about like the St. Sundays thing the last time you were on. Oh yeah. And wow. like that kind of like steady stream of content was already something that was uh part of your practice, but were there any other particular parts of whether it be uh, something that you did personally to like work on your art or something in the promotional angle that you really like honed in and wanted to improve on during that sort of period where, as you mentioned, everyone kind of had to really like hunker down and step their game up to some degree. I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's kind of tough to think because 
I kind of took that time as like, a, okay, this is a this is like a, a development period, you know, like for everyone. So, I mean, I I definitely tried to do my best to just own my craft as a musician and just try to like get better, you know, with different like being able to u- utilize like different kinds of production techniques and kind of just like you know trying to stay sharp. You know, I I definitely like uh, kind of try to like you know I don't know just play more music. But I honestly, I feel like I didn't really take in much, take as much advantage of the pandemic as like I should have, you know, because some people really like made some astronomical gains. But like I said, I was just kind of trying to develop during the time. I guess like stuff with like when it comes to like my my brothers with 303 Bam's music. I don't know. I mean, we were still, you know, we just kept on trucking through. We were lucky that, you know, I guess probably has something to do with Staten Island and the fucked up ass culture that we have over here that the studios were like, fuck that. We're staying open, you know, no matter mm-hmm. who's sick mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, when we started talking before we started rolling, you mentioned TikTok yeah. as being yeah. like that. I feel like that's like a, a new part of the landscape that was Absolutely. it was around in 2019, but it feels like it really went into overdrive and particularly as a way for like musicians to advertise themselves. So it seems like that's something that you've dove into more. I haven't I, I still have the like, I'm too old for this yeah. hang up <laughs> with it, which is maybe like a yeah. me problem. But right. yeah, what's your, what's been your experience? I know that you've been like posting like work in progress stuff and seeing people duet over it and, and stuff like that. What, what's your experience been with TikTok? Yeah. Um, TikTok is, is really cool. You know, um, I, I had that initial hang up too, where I was like, oh my God, this is uh, an app for kids. But what I realized is that it's, it wasn't just, an application for kids. The kids were just the first to adopt it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's now really a way for just pieces of information to spread very quickly, you know, micro, micro videos, micro content, like, look, here's 60 seconds or here's 15 seconds of a message of a piece of information you can consume. You know, it's like YouTube, but like on crack. Um, and I started seeing that people were using the app to, like educate you know there's like lots of value on the app like there's like tons of funny stuff you know it's like and then there's like tons of things you can learn so i saw it as like a you know just a way for information to spread so it's like natural that people started to you know do things like you know spread their art through it and so on and so forth um Mm -hmm. i did uh i had a couple you know that's something i like i i um i like to do was like just post some beats on there or like, you know, me playing like videos of me playing beats, um, you know, try to get people to duet them. I've had some people like duet my, my videos and do some like dope ass fucking like some fire verses over my, over some of my TikToks, which has been dope. And there's a lot more, there are so many producers doing crazy stuff on TikTok. A lot of um, artists are doing crazy stuff on TikTok. It's, it is super addictive, man. It is very easy to just blow a whole day just swiping on that mm-hmm. app. But it's it's um it's a really great tool for promotion. There's like tons of uh pockets and niches that you can be exposed to that have like dedicated followings, it seems. You know, like I could totally see, you know, like uh I could see I'm surprised that you aren't doing TikTok yet because I can totally <laughs> see Lambdaforms Radio being like a TikTok and you know, you editing clips, you know, of like pieces of your podcast together and things like that. Because um you know, there's there's a lot of great stuff on TikTok because it's pretty much like I said, YouTube on crack, right? So right. you know the um, the ability for for people to get their brand out is just it's it's awesome, you know. And they've got a lot of organic reach, you know. So they say, which is like what the 
big deal it is now. Like, you know, for now, for yeah. now. Yeah. Like <laughs> any day now I'm expecting like that shit to just not be the case anymore. Being that they have like the largest user base of all social media platforms or whatever, you know, they're killing the right, game. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of like the, from what I gather, the early days of Facebook and the early days of, you know, it just seems like there's kind of a life cycle yep. here with yeah. a lot of these social media apps where like yeah. there's a there's a point in time where there's a lot of organic growth and a lot of like stuff will spread very naturally across the user base. Yeah. But uh, eventually the, you know, the money interests are such that they get kind of uh, yeah. tightened yeah. up in one way or another. You're right. I should like the smart thing to do would be to get involved. Yeah. But I, I'm but it's a lot I'm of working work. on some. Yeah, some video uh, getting my video game up a bit. That's what's up. Uh, yeah, as well as my my video games, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the big things that's changed recently in the pandemic. Is I've I've reverted back to my old the gaming. gaming ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good though. You know, that's it's a. Uh, I feel like honestly, gaming is another form of self expression. You know, in a way, like you get to join these worlds and live these these um, these adventures in a way that only you can you know, within the confines of a game. Yeah. I think the thing I've enjoyed most about it is just like a good way of having a sort of private confidence boost in some respects. That word. Like, yeah, that's fire. (laughs) Like I just beat this game, uh, hollow Knight, which was like way harder than I expected it to be, (laughs) but like doing it, I was like, Oh, well if I can do that, then like what's stopping me from, for example, getting good at something like TikTok. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's the same sort of thing. Like if I just treat it like a video game, I could probably Mm -hmm. get pretty good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, you know, lots of, uh, really cool creative, like stuff people do, which, you know, will stir anyone with like a creative brain, you know, like, like you Mm -hmm. of course would be like, Oh man, that's like, it's sick how they did this transition, especially because TikTok was like based off of, music so like yeah it it can be tons of fun very addicting but it's also like it's a lot of work yeah i was gonna sort of bring that up at some point um because i know that you've in addition to doing a lot of the production uh work for the 303 bam project you're also got pretty you got pretty involved in like the marketing side of things at least from what i understand oh yeah absolutely Um, so how do you balance the work putting like putting how how do you like split up the time of putting work into the music versus doing the necessary work of marketing and promotion? It's tough, man. It's a uh, it's funny you you're like how do you how do I balance? I'm like I fucking don't I don't balance <laughs> it. But um what it really comes down to um and like I said it's it's tough and what I am trying to do I can't say striving yet because I, I need to improve, but I'm getting there. Um, what I've been doing is to to take the format of everything that has been taught to us in our lives, like work and school, you know, we've been brought up on these schedules. It's like, well, okay, I have these different tasks I need to get done. Let's actually, let's write a schedule down. You know, let's mm. pretend you, I start my day at 10 o'clock. Let's spend the first two hours of my day assessing what I have to do. And then, you know, I'll set a timer and then 45 minutes later, you know, I'm, I'm going to play guitar and practice singing, you know, for 45 minutes, you know, like it, it kind of comes down to, for me, um, making a schedule and kind of, uh, keeping clear track of what the goals are, which is, which is tough because that also kind of requires you to have like a vision and a dream that you can kind of like articulate 
getting down to like you know writing down a schedule um but like having that overall goal that you can articulate it's it is tough you know because it's like it's very hard even from day to day i struggle thinking about like you know what what is success for me you know what am i working on today am i working on like some of my like lo-fi stuff today am i working on just making beats am i working on making beats for bam am i working on making tiktok it's it it is tough like you know do i want to make money this way do i want to make money that way can i commit the resources but it really um comes down i guess to discipline and and like i said being organized organization is key Mm -hmm. yeah i noticed you posted on your twitter a while back this like spreadsheet that you use to keep track of all of the like projects that you're working on in terms of like different beats and whatnot how how recently did you start doing that kind of uh detailed organization for your workflow so i want to say that was about it's been like i guess 30 days um no probably about probably about two months two months ago i started Mm -hmm. that because you know i finally decided that i wanted to start a youtube channel for my beats and you know what that requires is consistency so like you got to be you know at least what all of these people who do these tutorials on how to you know, do this stuff. They say you have to be consistent by like, you know, having a strict schedule on like when you post, you know, like you have to post like every day or at least three times a week and stuff like that. And I had, you know, of course, just a catalog and a mass, a massive amount of beats. And I was like, okay, if I set this up, I could, I could have all these things, you know, like posting every day for like a month straight mm-hmm. and not have to even make any more. Like, that's great. I should get started with this. But doing that with the, with the goal being to sell them, you know, I had to like go back to every session and say, all right, let me get all the fi- necessary files that I need and post it on the marketplace website store, so on and so forth. And eventually, like, you know, it's like so many things that I had to go back and check and do that I was like, all right, I need to just write all this shit down and put them in a place and label them so that this makes this process more streamlined and easier to the point where like, you know, like, of course, the first time doing something is like, can be very like you know difficult when you're doing something new um but like by the second or third time i'm posting something on like i was able to like schedule 10 videos like 10 beats 10 days in advance you know like right from my phone um just because of being organized with certain tools um it made it like super convenient so yeah right like taking that that one day or that one chunk of time to like really organize out your entire release schedule yeah instead of winging it it actually saves you a ton of time in the long run to like do the sort of grinding yeah uh spreadsheet stuff early on yes yeah yeah exactly and i my idea was just to kind of keep it simple you know i was like okay let's just uh let's just come up with you know just a list just a list of the of the beats you know because i need to look them up you know i need to let's see what they sound like um i need to label them with their bpms so as I went on and found more things that I needed, like I was able to, and still am able to like kind of tweak the the spreadsheet. And, and you know, that's like a translatable skill, which is pretty cool. It's like, I can use this organization skill in the future, you know, like helps with critical thinking too. I guess it's like, oh, and I have to figure this out. Like how the, how can I keep track of this? Well, I need to label it this way. You know, it's like a brain exercise, mm-hmm. it's like a game. Life is a game. Life is a video game. <laughs> It kind of reminds me of like the the thing that you were saying earlier about making a schedule for yourself and breaking tasks down, kind of how that forces you to actually 
kind of consciously be specific about what your goals are to begin with. Yeah. Because if you cannot like list out like actually what needs to be done in order to do it, like you have to know what you're actually doing before you can even do that. You have to know what you're actually doing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've had a similar thing. Like since I, I quit my job, I've been trying to like have some semblance. It, it's loose, you know, we're only human mm-hmm. of, uh, of a like eight ish hour work day with right. like a lunch break and everything. And yeah. t- like two chunks where I'll do like spend the first half of the day doing one thing, mm-hmm. second half of the day doing it like a different thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it requires me to be like, okay, well what, what do I actually want to accomplish by the end of each given chunk? And yeah, yeah you have to be in some ways. I think like the artistic temperament is such that you don't want to be so explicit about your goals because that would somehow cap them or limit them. You think like sky's the limit. It's like, yeah. you're only going to get to the sky if you can like take the, yeah. you know, one rung of the ladder all the way up. You know? Yeah. 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 It's like, you have to figure out how high that sky is if you want to mm-hmm. start walking. Yeah. And that, that is tough. Cause it's like, you know, if you ask me, Oh yeah, well, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm going to be like, I want to be a multi-platinum selling producer with beats with Drake and future and it's like, all right, yeah, that's cool. But like, what are you going to do before that? Like, do you, are you right. going to wake up and do that tomorrow? Or are you going to, you know, like make enough money with your music so that you can fly to different cities and work in different studios and network with different people, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, if you are, okay, how are you going to make that money? Like, you know, it's, it sucks. It's, it's tough, you know, to try to define those things for ourselves, I guess. Speaking of networking, have you, I noticed that you've been, you know, very active on social media, like getting more in depth into like the specific community of like other producers and stuff like that. How has like the networking side of things been in the like post COVID era? Well, you know, um, for our age group, our generation, like, you know, this is, this isn't, this isn't any almost like this almost isn't anything new, you know, like, we came up off of meeting people from different states and cities from bands through MySpace groups and things and like going to mm-hmm. shows. So now like just doing this, like through Twitter and Instagram, you know, it's, it's pretty normal. Um, especially, you know, for, like I said, I know a lot of people, there are a lot of introverts out there. So it's like, Oh, I can just, I don't have to speak to anyone. I can just do this by typing on my phone. Like this is super convenient. So that's been cool. But on that same token, like, I haven't done as much networking, I feel like, as I should have, should mm-hmm. be. But the networking that I um, that I am doing, like, you know, the some relationships and networking things that I am building, they are meaningful, though. You know, I'm, I am working at, on them. So, like, I, I'm putting a lot of value and stock into them, you know, really putting in the real work and not just doing it from a I-need-to-network standpoint, you know, like. Sure, you yeah. Because it's, it's easy to be spammy, you know, and be like, hey, man, how are you? What are your projects like? Great. Listen to mine. You know, it's like, oh, right. Do shit like that. That's that's weird. Right. People sniff it out pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. Like I anytime mean, that someone has done that, I'm sure either to you, to you or in my experience, when like someone just hits me up with that yeah. kind of messaging, it's like, yeah, yeah, this is this is weird. Like, yeah. buy me dinner first, you know? Like, yeah. Is- yeah. <laughs> like, and, you know, it's it's actually like a couple times this week I got dms just people check out my stuff in 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 the message and it's like and i'm no one important but it's like there's no way i'm gonna click on that um right and i'm like a sucker like if 
if I feel any friendly undertone from someone, like I'm super quick to be like, yes, friends, I'll listen to it. So it's like, all you got to do is be like a little nice, you know, in the beginning, instead of just being like, here's an account I can send this link to. Like the open rate is not going to be good. And, and even if it is like really good, you, you have like a negative, you know, like kind of counting against you. Like someone's like, yeah, okay, this shit is good, but I'm not going to check his shit out because that was rude. Fuck that. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Especially if it's like doing it to other musicians. Yeah. Like, you know, because like, like we're if the, if the aim is that like, oh, we could potentially work together at some point treating me like, you know, I, I, I struggle to find a right analogy here, mm-hmm. but like treating me like a, uh, like, yeah, like a spam email. It's like, yeah. well, I don't want to work with someone who treats the people they work with that way yeah you know yeah like there i remember seeing somewhere like it's social media so you should like be social Social. on it you know yeah instead of treating it like pure you know mailbox stuffing yeah yeah mailbox stuffing there we go that's really what it is yeah (laughs) but i guess that's like the human condition right like that's just uh that's us being crappy right yeah i I, as usual So some of it is like I can, I can empathize with like the desire to get music out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure that in my past I've probably spammed people in a similar way. But yeah, definitely. Like you live and you learn. And at this point, I, I definitely try to to not do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you mentioned a few different things over the course of this, like early chunk of the conversation that I definitely plan on on diving in here first so since we sort of have a loose video game theme here let's maybe uh do some some branching pathways that we can choose one or the other so would you rather talk about lo-fi first or do you want to talk about the uh the year of bam that you just had i guess we could talk about lo-fi first yeah let's do that that works yeah that's a nice low energy yeah easy way to ease into it ease into things yeah so you've got as of the time of uh, this podcast recording an EP coming out next week. I think by the time this episode drops, it'll come out the next day. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's, I assumed it was an EP. Perhaps it's an no, album or it's actually just a single. Uh, uh, it's single. just a single. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 It's just a single. Excellent. But yeah, yeah so you've got a, a new moniker. You've got like a new whole other wing. Yeah. No pun intended of your, uh, <laughs> of your beat making <laughs> called young moth Facts, yeah. uh, which is all for your for your lo-fi stuff how when did you start making that stuff how did you get into lo-fi like why why did this new version of yourself come about well young moth is a, a concept that existed for a long time now like young moth was an artist name that i came up with for myself that i knew at some point was going to be something i was like when i start doing some of my solo stuff there's going to be a young moth. And at first that was like singing and kind of rapping. And now I'm like, okay, I'm doing lo-fi with young moth. And I think eventually it will lead to some sort of singing and rapping. Eventually it always just comes back to that for some reason. Um, But how did I, I don't even remember where I first heard some lo-fi hip hop. Like it was, I mean, it was definitely on YouTube, but I don't remember what the situation was. I don't know. It was, it was dope. And I was like, Oh, this is super relaxing, you know, to like sleep to it and to for just have it in the background for whatever. Um, and then I heard like my roommate playing some of it at some point and I was like, 
this is a thing. And then so I started to kind of like dive into it more. And like my wife liked it. So like when we would be like hanging out or whatever, we would throw it on in the background. So um, eventually, like listening to certain playlists, you start to hear the same songs over and over again. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. let me look this up. And it's just it was just super chill. And creatively, I guess it was a, a great outlet for balance because when I make my regular like Saint Thriller stuff, like all those, all that music tends to be like, you know, kind of a little more on the aggressive side, a little like darker, heavier. I just always want to make like just hard trap beats and stuff like that. Right. Um, so this was a, a good way to balance that out um, to just make chill stuff. Like, you know, I'd be at home hanging out, feeling good. And I'm like, this is this stuff is dope and I think I could make this you know it's like it's chill it's simple so I was like I I gotta try it. it it feels good and then from then on you know I don't know man I was just like stuck with it you know and it's fun what were what were some of the learning curves of learning how to do lo-fi because it is a distinctly different like sonic palette than the stuff that you yeah, uh, have more built your sound around. So yeah. were there any things that you uh, realized were harder than you thought from the outside or that were, you know, a bit more complicated once you started digging into to making that kind of stuff? Definitely. You know, I definitely at first had like almost a, a little bit of an arrogant kind of uh, approach to it. Cause I was like, oh, this stuff is easy. You know, mm-hmm. I do all this crazy synth stuff and stamp sampling stuff and all this. And this is really just like some super chill old school rap beats kind of thing but you know then getting into it it's like one i had to start breaking habits when it came to sample selection it's like okay you you can't make these shits you you these can't bang this way you have to turn mm-hmm. your drums down you know then you hop on the keys or whatever and it's like all right yeah you know i'm just gonna play a couple chords and, and layer it with this and it's like well that doesn't sound nearly as interesting as as this guy's over here or this guy and and I'm not getting the same feel as as this other stuff you know and comparing yourself to things is you know of course can be bad but also it's it's how we you know it's the litmus test for are we doing what we say we're doing what we want to do you know so you know I really had to put more effort into just like um giving the the composition more thought and more feel you know because as a, you know, being in, in the production game, you know, like the more content you have, the more beats you have, the better. So I feel like a lot of producers, at least I know some, um, we have this kind of like, uh, this mind state. It's like, Oh, I can just bang out like 20 of these jaunts. Like these are super easy. I can just make them. And, and then it's like, no, you, you can't just like microwave a whole bunch of stuff. You really gotta, you know, you gotta work on this stuff. And just because it's simple and it's super chill doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't deserve the love and attention that it deserves. So that was like something that I had to kind of break myself through. Who were the uh, producers or artists that you were using as that kind of litmus test? Were there any names or any particular tracks that you were like, well, I'm aiming for this and I'm, I'm holding myself to this standard? Definitely. There's like a, there's like a few, you know, there's like, um, sleeper man. There's this one dude that I really, I really like, uh, his name is Mondo loops. And this was mm-hmm. an interesting, uh, thing. Like this whole world of lo-fi was like interesting because it's like this whole music industry that I didn't realize existed. There are a lot of these producers who have like 
tons of listeners who just make these super chill uh, beats that, you know, you can listen, have on in the background. Like there's so many of them who make so much dope stuff. And it's like, I had no idea. Uh, this one guy, uh, Mondo Loops, like it was, it was weird because we've always talked about like, you know, uh, making music about music being, you know, of course, corny, you know, like, mm -hmm. like music is your personality. So he had the name, like the word loops in his, in his name, which was like, okay, this is, this is you, this is what you do. You're a beat maker. You're saying that you're a beat maker. That's what you do. I didn't know that like, you know, there were any like beat makers that had like some real audiences that people really like, you know, messed with. And then there were others, there's other, you know, just like, you know, there, I guess what I'm trying to say is it was interesting to find out that there were beat makers and producers that were actually using being a producer as their like instrument and mm. just music uh, to stream and, and it not being, you know, like stigmatized in any way by the audience. Yeah. Yeah. But Mondo loops is this guy who plays guitar. Um, you know, he makes these, these beats, he plays guitar and he does like YouTube tutorials about how he does them about how he makes the beats. He plays like these super nice uh, riffs and he puts out like free sound packs. Um, you know, he has a very engaged audience um, and, a, and a good following. And, you know, it was super nice to see, like to listen to him and then follow him on YouTube, attach a face to the like producer and kind of like feel like you get to know them. Mm -hmm. um, so Mondo Loops is like a, a big influence that I was, you know, definitely using as like a, to compare that I'm, that I still use. Um, another is a, is Tenno. He's just like a, a dope producer, makes some super chill vibes. Um, and they, uh, they feel nice. So those are some dudes that I, I really rock with. Do you feel like, uh, you know, you mentioned that this is kind of like a new scene for you to some degree yeah, is, yeah. have you noticed like a cultural difference of any kind between both uh, maybe on the produ producer and as well as the audience and compared to the kind of stuff that you more typically do? Not yet. Uh huh. I haven't noticed like really a difference yet. Not not um not something that's like really discernible or that I can like point to, because I guess you know there's just um I don't know yeah I I I haven't seen it yet because actually there are some there are a lot of producers who who do both you know mm -hmm. something I've been you know there are lots of producers who um do love to produce multiple genres of music so like there are a lot of these producers who do lo-fi stuff who are super known for their lo-fi like this, like one producer named Eldre. And at the same time though, he, he also does other stuff. He makes like, you know, kind of funkier stuff and like hard trap stuff. So it's almost like, I, I don't want to say it's a lot of producers making music for producers, but that is definitely the case. <laughs> um, and a lot of these producers overlap, you know, when it comes to, culture and demographics so i guess i haven't really seen a difference yet it's just funny like thinking about the difference between that and like you know the closest like guitar music equivalent would be like someone who does like really chill lo-fi you know bedroom indie yeah stuff yeah and then also does like slamming hardcore yeah. on the side <laughs> yeah, right? like yeah. that that would be such an extreme cultural extreme difference cultural difference yeah uh yeah. despite the fact that i personally love both of those things yeah. you yeah. know um it's just it's cool that like that yeah. that kind of uh differentiation doesn't seem to be happening in the in the yeah. circles that you're running in i think a part of it also is that 
I know a lot of the the audience, I think, of non-musicians who listen to lo-fi hip-hop stuff. You know, it's I feel like it's most famous for being, you know, on those study playlists. So right, yeah. the the people who are using this aren't sometimes I want to say, at least from my anecdotal experiences with the people that I know who listen to lo-fi, they're not like super attached to the culture of the music specifically. They're kind of just like passive listeners. Mm-hmm. So it's like kind of random, you know, because people are just throwing it on in the background to study or like to sleep or whatever. I actually have my my first, I want to say project, I have a, a specific spin on the use for lo-fi um, that I'd like to educate or enlighten the people on. Light the people, enlighten, I don't fucking know what I'm saying. Um, enlighten. <laughs> enlighten, yes, fucking yeah, yeah. enlighten the people about. But so, but so yeah, from also from that standpoint, like I, Sometimes I think the audiences can be random. Um, right. So there is no real concrete culture, but I also could be wrong because I'm still very new to the whole lo-fi scene. Yeah, that's I, I think you're onto something there. That that rings true to me in that it is music that has a specific use in a lot of people's lives and yes. therefore has like less of a, you know, like to the examples that we brought up otherwise, I feel like, hardcore or you know indie indie stuff or even like trap have Mm -hmm. these like lifestyle branding kind of things built around them yeah it's like this is my personality i wear these kinds of clothes i listen aesthetics yeah there's an aesthetic yeah 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 yeah, yeah. whereas lo-fi is uh, specifically in the way that you're talking about it in these kinds of like algorithmic you know, these playlists, this sort of background stuff, it's deliberately not about having a lifestyle. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Which is, is funny because it allows for the aesthetic of the concept of aesthetics. I don't know if Mm. you've seen this on social media. I think this is really, um, because of like, you know, just Gen Z, like have you ever seen lo-fi edits and it's just like, you know, these, edits with it could have some lo-fi music in the background and it's just like a montage and and like video edits of you know someone like a young couple or things looking kind of romantic and and kind of chill and deep um or it might be a pop star like a a, a k-pop star like from bts and there's like and it's like hashtag aesthetics like aesthetic the aesthetic of uh, aesthetic like, right yeah yeah i don't know it's uh, the vibification of things, you the know, vibification. Where, that's amazing. <laughs> like the whole point is that it has a vibe, whether or yes. not you can accurately describe that, what that vibe is. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Cause I, I feel like it's sort of an outgrowth of that. You know, there's the, the moment where everyone was making like slowed down remixes or like reverbed remixes of older eighties stuff. And it was yes. like trying to capture this specific sort of blend of different internet related aesthetics, like old anime, you know, but like throw like a purple filter over it and make it look like it's on a C a CRTV yeah. and then yeah. have like George <laughs> Michael slowed down over it. You know? Yeah. That ass, that ass. Exactly. Exactly. How do, so I was going to ask, like, it seems like there's a lot of like water imagery and, and, you know, these sort of like sunsets and all of that kind of stuff that you throw over 
your lo-fi beats, at least on Instagram, mm-hmm. given the sort of like ambiguous nature of the lo-fi vibe, how did you settle on that kind of stuff as like the way that you wanted to, uh, uh, to ta- visually tag the music? Some of, some of those things were, you know, like kind of just like, a inspiration from like the things around me, you know, mm-hmm. um, like where I work, there's this super clear view of like the wetlands. Um, so there's always like this kind of beautiful sunset thing that happens. And sometimes, you know, my mind will be floating at work and I'll just be staring out the window and, you know, it like kind of puts these pictures in my head. So it's, um, you know, it's kind of like wishing, oh man, I wish I was like, you know, in a forest by a stream, like camping, you know, but it's like warm out on a starry night, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I guess also, um, you know, when diving into this style of music, you start to, you know, there's very similar images and imagery, you know, and it, it, it's like almost like the vibification, like it feels good. It's like, oh yeah, this is, this is kind of like where I want to put my mind. But again, there are some like real world influences, you know, um, specifically I have, uh, one, uh, track that I will put out very soon. Also, um, it's called Sora S O R A, and it's almost it's like a fake acronym for Sunset Over Richmond Avenue, um, uh-huh. which is like where my job is and where I see the sun and where it sets. You know, I remember literally saying like, "Oh man, it's like there's always a beautiful sunset over Richmond Avenue." And then I was talking to a coworker, and I was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna name a song that." And then I was able to find like a really dope sunset like animation. And I was like, Oh, this is fucking perfect. You know, I got Mm -hmm. super lucky there, but I, I do also think that some of those aesthetics, like some of that will change, I think in the future, you know, a big part, I think of, of of lo-fi is the imagery. There's a a ton of like animation, almost anime style um, imagery associated with it. And I, I think it's it would be really cool to have my own spin on something like that or do something completely different. You know, I definitely mm. want to express myself in in some way, especially like now that I'm I'm working on I get I don't I guess I could say a full length um, you know, project. I don't even I don't know what full length is these days, you know, especially like <laughs> lo-fi albums tend to be like sometimes 15 to 23 minutes, you know, like Right. So I don't know what to call what, but I am looking to put together, you know, somewhat more of a longer form body of work. It's interesting that you mention the it's it's I got, I'm sort of like beginning to cobble together sort of an interpretation of this uh, of the aesthetic where it's like getting mm-hmm. off of work, you know, the sun yeah. setting and it's like time to relax. Yes. You know. Yeah. Like it's, it's interesting that it's sort of related to the work day and related to like leisure time, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, rather than I think like the, the primary aesthetics so much of a lot of trap music is like about working really hard, yes. you know? Yes. And so it, it's an interesting inversion of that. It's like, well, I don't want to hustle and grind right now. I want to yeah. <laughs> lie down and, I wanna, you yeah. know throw something on the TV at a low volume and just kind of chill out for a second. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like I said, it's, it's the balance, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be on the block all day. It's cold outside. I don't want to have a gun right now. I just want to drink some hot cocoa, you know? And- <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you mentioned, you kind of teased 
that you wanted a specific to have a, a new specific thing associated with lo-fi that is not just like studying. Yes. Is that something that you're willing to to talk about in explicit terms or is that Absolutely. to be revealed at a later date? Okay, cool. It's funny. Like, you know, something that I off topic, something I realized about puns is that like some people are good at coming up with them, but the way they end up always kind of manifesting themselves in the perfect areas is like, is insane because you said in explicit terms and I'm like, yes, actually like my uh, concept is lo-fi beats to fuck to. Like, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and not to put my romantic life with my wife out there, but clearly there's, it's easy to figure out like where that concept comes from. But, um, it being something that like, you know, I, I thought of, I was like, oh man, this is like, uh, I, I wonder if anyone else like does this or, or realizes this. Cause it's like this, this stuff is super chill and it can be romantic. And right. it, a lot of times, like, um, a lot of, a lot of lo-fi, you know, like stuff by like Mondo loops, you know, he plays, he, he plays guitar. He plays really pretty stuff on guitar and it, it sounds like super romantic a lot of times and super chill. And it's like, this is perfect to, you know, be uh, in like a sensual nighttime session with, uh, you know, a mm -hmm. significant other or partner or whatever. And I've and no one has capitalized on that. So I'm like, ah, nah, I just got to go for it, bro. This is my fucking lane right here. Like, I just got to just got to do it. But yeah, I'm I'm struggling to come up with a kind of title for it because I don't want to have an expletive in the title. Like, that's just corny. <laughs> and frustrating mm -hmm. you know it's really interesting because this both kind of like conflicts with the i think a lot of the branding around lo-fi being mm -hmm. like to study to that almost like yeah. inherently implies a cer certain kind of like lonely isolated asocial behavior yes to a lot yeah. of lo-fi music whereas yeah. like obviously what you're describing is uh <laughs> the opposite of that yes you know not solitary um, but it does also kind of connect lo-fi music with like smooth jazz yes. or like soft rock and like these other older forms of like chill out or mm -hmm. like romantic music yeah, that yeah. kind of feed right in. It makes total sense that this would be like this generation's version of that kind of stuff. Not, yeah. not to, you know, I know yeah. not everyone likes the Kenny G comparison. So I right, right, right. <laughs> the kenny g's dope though but yeah and you know it's it's uh it's awesome that you mentioned you know like the smooth jazz because lo-fi is like super jazz influenced you know if you're going through like the the hashtags or like the the genre tags of a lot of these artists you know you you'll you will see you know like lo-fi hip-hop chill hop jazz hop you know mm -hmm. being like a big one you know some some of the stuff some stuff i've uh i've been into is like straight jazz sometimes these like lo-fi hip-hop beats it's like no this is really just jazz so just thinking uh before we we change lanes to talk about the the 303 bam cycle that you just went through uh, i wanted to sort of touch base on the the youtube experiment yeah. um yeah. because you mentioned that you'd been doing it for pretty consistently for about like two months now or so yeah. and obviously like lo-fi i feel like is very much tied to youtube as yeah like a platform how have you noticed that um really committing to that kind of schedule has it paid off have you been able to see any kind of like growth in terms of interest in your music or yeah. sales to to artists yeah. and stuff like that so not yet but mm -hmm. also i haven't done lo-fi on youtube uh-huh 
the stuff on YouTube is all like stuff like to sell and being consistent, you know, has definitely like, I haven't seen any growth from it yet, but there's a lot that goes into YouTube when it comes to being a successful, like type beat producer. And I'm definitely doing a couple things wrong. Not to say I'm doing them wrong, but there's definitely like things I, I still need to work on. Um, sure. I don't think I'm actually posting in the correct niche for myself. I don't think I'm using the right artists uh, to try to get the right kind of artist looking for my stuff. Um, but there's also mm. a lot of stuff with the YouTube algorithm about the way you use use it and how often and when you post that. You know, it takes a lot of trial and error. Um, sure. And it's a lot of work. So I know like I'm in it for kind of like the longer haul because, you know, two months in is like, you know, still infancy for me. Um, it's still like just a testing period. But I definitely want to release my lo-fi stuff on YouTube. That would be a different kind of YouTube grind. I'd be advertising a different product because this wouldn't be just singular beats that I'm trying to get people to like listen to and write beat like write rhymes to and then buy this would actually be trying to just get people uh to listen to it so i'd be able to advertise it in a different way like you know not just like hey rappers is anyone looking to buy some music this could be everyone all of my my friends who are into this stuff look i put this out you know this is a piece of music um that i can mm-hmm. show people which will be great and i'm excited right. for that it's a finished product unto itself rather yes, than yes. an advertisement for a service yeah and I, um, I discovered lo-fi through YouTube, you know, like I said earlier, like, you know, I, first time, you know, I, I saw it on like some kind of YouTube playlist or broadcast or whatever, and it popped up. So like, it would only make sense to end up, you know, releasing stuff through there as well mm-hmm. when the Absolutely. time comes. Now that we've completed that side quest, let's <laughs> turn and go down the other path. Uh, yeah. so I, I feel like there was the, you know, 303 put 303 band put out a, a new album this yes. year, like it was nothing. Yes. And it was the first time that I'd really seen like actual waves from one of your projects. Like, and I don't mean that like to uh, discredit the the quality or the yeah. uh, success of the previous stuff, but it was like, Oh, this is like starting to take off a bit beyond just the immediate like circle of the people that are making it and are part of the scene that made it, you know what right, I mean? Right. Um, so I'm really curious to hear like what the story is behind that record and, you know, the process of making it and promoting it and the run up and everything, because it seemed like it really worked what you guys were doing. So I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah, definitely. It was, um, man, it was a, it was a, it's a, a crazy time. Um, and it was a lot of fun. So before we put out the, project like it was nothing you know we had a we had released a single well i mean we released a, a couple singles like it had kind of started like i guess the year before when we had put out the song 303 baby mm-hmm. um you know we we put out this song we put out a video for it, and it also it, it was on an ep or it came out on an ep i think that we also did um and we got a lot so of good feedback the, the from the season yeah, yeah 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 the second uh-huh. one right and the last one because 303 bam's not doing another leo season I don't know why. I don't know what that means. Leo season <laughs> is a vibe for him. You know, three or three bam is an enigma. But um, so we put out a, a, you know, we were putting out a couple. We put out a couple singles, like a couple videos, and you know, we were getting good feedback. So, you know, as I think a lot of artists are, or I guess I could say, um, yeah, I can say, I, I guess a lot of artists. There are a lot of artists who like to release, you know, long form 
content, you know, as in albums, you know, and I know we're in a day and age where it makes more sense for a lot of stuff to just release things in single format um, to try to get more streams on individual songs and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, it's tough to try to get artists to like not release stuff in like one, you know, mass. So after putting out a couple songs, you know, 303 Bam, Bam was like, yo, I want to put out a project. And it's, it's crazy, you know, going through the album creation process because, you know, you start out with these songs that never make it onto the project. You know, like you, Hmm. you start out going to the studio and you're like, oh my God, every time you leave, you're like, this is the greatest stuff we've ever made. And then like eight months later, you don't even remember those songs, you know, and you come out with this completely different, like just entity, you know, of its own. Um, it was a lot of fun though. We got to work with, uh, a lot of different producers, you know, through net different kinds of networking. Um, you know, we, we linked up with a, a really good team of, um, producers from, I guess, different parts of the world. Some from like, you know, different parts of the country, the U S some from the UK, some from, you know, Canada, mm-hmm that I was able to connect with through Twitter. You know, I posted one time, I don't know, I don't know what I was doing or how it happened, but one day I posted a, a clip of some music that I produced a beat for, from, from, uh, for Bam. The song was called, I, I think it was called All My Love. And a producer on Twitter messaged me and said, yo, this is crazy. Can I send beats to this artist? Which was, which was, in, which was interesting that he, kind of came up to me and asked me like he saw okay this is this person's producer let me not step on toes and ask which I was like I thought was like super like sweet you know and nice I was like oh that's really you know considerate of someone right that's kind of the opposite of the stuff that we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation where it's like the person read the room the correct way yeah and approached you instead of trying to go right to the artist right right and um I mean that's also a smarter way to do it too because like if there's anyone who's going to be able to convince someone you know to do something like it's someone around them you know like Mm -hmm. if it's their idea it's like oh well I take advice from them all the time so they said I should work with this person let me check them out as opposed to like sometimes reaching out to them and and this this dude his name is Cam and um he didn't need to do that you know he could have just completely not done that but I thought that was cool and I said of course this is his email and then before I knew it Bam was just getting like these crazy beats in his email just insane stuff and my favorite songs that we do are always beats that I don't produce because they're things I wouldn't have thought of or done. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was a, that was a lot of fun. You know, that project we got to, you know, and then we have, we have um, our own like, you know, in-house kind of, you know, circle of producers too, that were of course on it. It was a good time. How much of, do you think the improvement in terms of both like the quality of the overall material and the reception for that material came do you think from uh the the quality of the beats that you were getting and the quality of the beats that bam was rapping over versus his own improvement as a rapper and as a songwriter uh or are these things like symbiotic in some way like what's your perspective on it okay i def i definitely think they're symbiotic you know Mm -hmm. um because one thing that bam was forced to do was i don't want to say step out of his comfort zone but to, you know, just experience different perspectives when it comes to some of these beats, you know, that he was getting that he was like, oh, I don't I don't usually get stuff like this or I wouldn't normally look for things like this, but I, this is good. Let me try it out. Um, 
which I think expanded his just horizons in terms of what he wanted to like write to or different kinds of vibes he wanted to try to, you know, create um, on a song. And I also think that um, I think I feel like a lot of it was for for that album. A lot of it was the increase in in like, you know, the the different beats we were getting um, and it's it's kind of tough. I yeah, I think I really think it was symbiotic because like at the same time, um, Bam is always working on his craft. He's always trying to write better. Um, and when we make beats, like he's heavily involved in making the beats. So as a musician, he continues to always try to improve his ear um, mm-hmm. and his palate and different things like that. So him doing that was uh, enabled him to like communicate better, different musical ideas to different people. So I, I think, um, you know, it, it was just kind of like a chain reaction, you know, and it ended up kind of like in this circle, like get interesting stuff from here, which made me want to do interesting stuff, which made him want to do different things and so on and so forth. And that also led to more excitement. It's like, oh, this is this is fun again. This is good. Mm-hmm. We want to make this good. Let's go to the studio and let's really let's really do it. You know, let's really get the best performance we can. Yeah, that's the the kind of other angle I wanted to talk about is like it's one thing to write something that's really good. It's another thing to perform it well in the studio and to do multiple takes of it and like really hone in on getting like the correct sound from your voice and over a particular beat. At least from my ears, it sounds like there was a lot more or I could imagine that there was a lot more takes done here because it sounds like the performances are much more dialed in rhythmically and with like much more like forceful delivery than on the previous stuff and it's you know it's obviously been ramping up to this point but it feel like it it felt like it really arrived stylistically on this on this record yeah we um we had a different approach um you know it's it's kind of just like the uh the progression of you know uh, a person becoming a serious musician or not you know like bam used to go into the studio and like mostly freestyle stuff and we started working with like you know uh an engineer who we we were we at one point were working heavily with an engineer who was like really big on that. He was always like, "Yo, I want you to just go in there and start doing this stuff," which is cool. Um, and then in in this project, you know, Bam was more like, "No, I I I will not go to the studio unprepared. I will no longer do that because I think that was kind of like on on some personal stuff. You know, mm-hmm. you have these like the studio is always like ends up being kind of like a hangout spot for a lot of occasions um, and you know, as an artist, you're kind of putting on this show for all these people. And eventually, you know, like there ends up being a lot of pressure and you're actually trying to create something that means something to you or that you want to be good. And you, you know, now have to go to the studio and create something um, and you don't know what you want to do. And some days are better than others. Some days, you know, you're, you're just on fire. Some days you're not. So I think Bam got started to get frustrated with stuff like that. And I know I did. I was like, you know, we're going in here and like not really doing anything so he decided he's like i'm no longer gonna go in unprepared i'm gonna make sure like these songs are like like i'm i'm getting beats and i'm writing the songs to them and if i am done i will go in the studio and record it but like i'm not like going to just go to the studio and waste time anymore so in that regard yeah you know there there was a lot there was a lot more deliberation you know um the decisions were much more calculated this time 
and that was on the, you know, that was a collaborative effort between like not just Bam, but also the engineer Pete, Pete Pesto that we work with. He's a fantastic engineer at Phoenix Studios. You know, he was really involved in, you know, being like, let's capture the best performance. I think you could do that line better, really um, playing more of a hand in, in the production um, of it. Um, and also, like I said before, Bam, too, you know, being more critical and saying, you know, I really want to get this right. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to do that take again because I really didn't like it, you know. Yeah, I, well, I, I can just I can tell that there was a lot of effort. Yeah. put into like making sure that this shit sounded good and it yeah. because it does you know yeah. <laughs> um so before we close this off i do want to talk about uh how you have also gotten into the the podcasting world yes. you're now yeah yeah <laughs> you know a, a podcast producer as well as a music yeah. producer so you yeah. know we can we have that connection as well now yeah, yeah. how did you yeah. end up you know producing and editing the national meat treasure podcast like what what's the story behind yeah. all that so, um, it's funny, things always kind of come full circle. Christian and Justin, um, are two friends of mine from going to shows, you know? So they, um, they had this podcast that they started and they wanted some help. Um, and they were like, yo, you know, Joey, you know, can you, you know, help us produce this? Maybe, you know, edit some of the audio. I was like, absolutely. Yeah, I can totally do it. And then what ended up happening was like, you know, I obviously I had no experience as a podcast producer. You know, I was started researching the role and what a podcast producer does. Um, and they didn't really need me for a lot of these things. And then mm. we we did this one episode where, you know, like I edited like a couple episodes and then one episode, you know, I went on a video with them and we're, they're supposed to be like a producer uh, setting where like the producer doesn't get recorded. And it did. And it was kind of like funny. For some reason, um, or people, Christian and Justin thought it was funny and they were like, okay, we don't need you as a producer anymore. We just want you to be on, like, you, we just want, we want you to be our third co-host. So that's how that started. Um, and, um, and it's been, it's been a wild ride. It's, it's a lot of fun. We're, uh, just three guys shooting the shit. Why it's called National Meat Treasure is like just some weird inside joke between Christian and Justin. Um, like it's just, it's like a super random podcast, you know. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's a very different format than this yeah. podcast, <laughs> where yeah. it, like what you said about like shooting the shit is absolutely like in the in the lineage of that kind of thing. There's a bit of like early morning driving radio kind of yeah. energy to it, where yeah. it's just like people <laughs> yeah. with very large personalities just kind of winging it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. How much of any sort of like theme or like specific topics that you want to hit do you guys have in advance or are you just like truly going in cold and you know seeing what comes out? You know, what tends to happen is like we have a group chat where we, you know, where we're just also shooting this shit, you know, just as as three friends and as things come up in conversation that maybe, you know, like come up a couple times or interesting events happen uh, out in the world, interesting news, you know, it'll end up in the group chat and we're just like, yo, should we podcon convo? Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll, we'll talk about this on the podcast. That'll be cool. But it, a lot of it is like, like that's, that's about it. Like we'll have a couple mm-hmm. topics of very, you know, loose ideas about things you want to talk about. And then we just kind of go from there. Um, so it's very not scripted. Um, mm-hmm. It's very, very loose, very loose format. And then sometimes we have guests on, um, which we also like don't have a necessarily like a format for, you know, it's like we want to have 
people who do stuff on our pod. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had a a friend of ours. His name is CPA. He's a, an independent wrestler. Um, we recently had another friend of ours um, who's a, a chef and like a beer. Uh, rev- he has a, a TikTok where he does beer reviews um, okay, called yeah. Beer Time. Our friend Abe, he's hilarious. You know, we we did an interview with a local um, local filmmakers, um, a group, a local filmmaking group, um, Ben um, Manderville Media. Recently, also, you know, we're looking to have more hosts. I would actually love to have you on um, if you'd be down to shoot the shit with us and <laughs> you know talk about all the different things that you do. Yeah, um, I'd be. I'd be, love that, man. Be, that'd be great. A ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like I <laughs> having listened to a fair amount of it, uh, you know, it's it's a, uh, a definitely a very different vibe, as I said, from yep. the Lambda Forms radio experience. But I think that would be <laughs> yeah. kind of fun to like yeah, got, dive yeah, yeah. into the deep end with you guys, uh, yeah. see what happens. You know, yeah. where do you uh, where do you see that podcast going? Where do you want to take it? Like, what's do you have any like larger goals or is it just kind of like a for fun you know, way to keep up with friends kind of thing. Yeah. Um, personally, you know, I look at it as just a for fun thing, but I know we do have the potential and as a, as an organization, as a group, um, we definitely do, you know, want larger goals. The thing is for me, I don't know what those things are. Um, because we're mostly like a podcast about nothing and which I guess almost puts us into the comedy genre and in some respects, and I'm not a comedian in any sort of way. So I don't know like what people, like what people who just have personalities and talk where that ends up like becoming something big, but it does all the time. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can um, see plenty of examples of, you know, yeah. dudes BSing their way into uh all sorts of high profile gigs through podcasting. So yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I know we'll go far. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the sky's the limit, I suppose. And I guess, should we even still be saying the sky's the limit? We've been traveling outside of earth for so long. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Clearly the sky is not the limit. The sky has never been the limit, (laughs) at least since like the (laughs) sixties. Yeah. Not at no point in our lives was the sky, the limit. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. See, they've been trying to hold us down, man. They've been convincing us otherwise, you know, Mm. while, while showing us the truth. It's insane. Yeah. Keep your third eye open, you know? (laughs) Um, yeah, I know, but the other thing I've noticed is you guys do like a the live video component. Yes. Of, uh, like yes. how how did you guys settle on doing that? Like what's the experience doing that like? Because these are, you know, the podcasts that I do are audio only, yeah. very insular. You know, I've had, I've looked like absolute shit doing this yes. podcast, you know, yes. like doing it yeah. in my boxers, that kind of thing. But you guys yes. have like the pressure to be like on camera and kind of yeah. live yeah. the entire time. What's what's yeah. that experience like? Um, It's crazy. You know, I've always been like camera shy, but not camera shy. I I never I've I've never felt photogenic. So every time we have to do a podcast, I'm just like, oh shit, people are gonna see me. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, I gotta I gotta clean this up. I gotta move this. I gotta turn the light on. Um, it's it's nuts, but it's um it's also fun because with today's like kind of main form of I can't say main forms of media, um, but everything being so visual today, you know, it, um, it helps. It's a great way to promote, you know, um, but it is a lot of work though. You know, it's, you're dealing with audio and video like, Mm -hmm. and that can get super complicated if you 
want to take the quality of the audio and have it on the video, you know, like, cause now you're editing both at the same time, you know, it gets really nuts, but it, it is fun. And that wasn't, that wasn't my, like when I came into the podcast, that was already a thing. That was, I think, part of what they wanted to do. Um, I think this was kind of like the brainchild of Justin being a very heavy TikToker and seeing all these funny things on TikTok and mm-hmm. having strong opinions and same with Christian, um, you know, and them, them two being like longtime friends, you know, as well. And I've like, I've known them for like, I don't know, like uh, 10 plus years or whatever. So I guess it was just kind of like a, a thing that they wanted to do. So when I was added to it, I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. And it was actually something that in the beginning, I remember, you know, asking like, hey, why, you know, we don't have to do video. And they were like, no, no, no. The video is like almost the main component, like, which is interesting also. Not that it is the main component. It, it is just like just as important as the uh, as the audio for them. And I understand it now because apparently my facial expressions are some of the funniest things about me. Um, <laughs> my reactions to things that Justin says. So I totally get it. Um, and I understand the role of the video. Right. It also I've noticed like, you know, there's this one basketball podcast that I listen to that has like they do it live on YouTube mm-hmm. and then they put the audio up separately and it is like these almost two distinct audiences there are the people that watch it live versus the people that like listen Listen. to it at a later time so you're kind of like almost doubling your audience size by like having these two potential ways to catch people yes yeah yeah i i never even thought of it that way but that totally makes sense because there are some things that there are podcasts that i listen to that also do youtube stuff that i don't watch you know, mm-hmm. and, and vice versa, you know, like, and it's kind of weird for me if like, there's something that I watch, I don't, I don't know if I, I want to listen to it, just listen to it. You know, it's like, I was attracted by the visual aspect of it. Will I still like the audio? I'm sure I will. I love the content, but do I want that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Never thought about right. that before. It makes you listen to it differently. Certainly. Yes. Like, um, yeah. I, I've just had, I've gotten really into this guy, Tim Rogers, who does like these like video game reviews lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've ended up kind of having the YouTube video like playing in my pocket while I'm like as if it was a podcast, <laughs> yeah. you know, but then that I also all the time. I yeah. also like watch it, too, because they're like yes. two completely different experiences. One, yes. it's almost just like, oh, I'm listening to the way that he's writing the script that he's reading versus like watching all of the like visual jokes and all of the visual mm-hmm. information. Uh, yeah. It allows you to kind of like take it in and experience it in a different way. But it also could reveal like whose videos are actually not that interesting when you take away the flashy visuals, you know, like who doesn't actually have any good content beyond, you know, yeah. Some sort of visual component or vice versa. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting to think about how much like, yeah, the increasing uh, emphasis on video content has changed even the podcast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That is crazy. Well, I, I'm not sure you know, I obviously love catching up with you and whatnot, but Always. I think we've, we've hit all the big, the big yeah. markers so <laughs> far. Um, so if there's anything that you want to plug in particular or, uh, you know, promote or anything you've got coming up that you want to talk about. Definitely. Um, check out the national meat treasure podcast. If you're into three dudes shooting the shit, follow young moth on social media at young moth. Three, three, three. I don't at least know on what Instagram, it is. it's three. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. That's the only place I have that stuff at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. 
until uh, my stuff gets released on streaming platforms, which will be in what day is it? Yeah, in five days from now on December twenty first. Um, so check that out. I'm releasing my first single called Aranosa, and keep an eye on three hundred three Bam. We have been working on stuff that makes like it was nothing feel like nothing. Fuck um, yeah. Hell yeah. I'm super excited about that stuff. Thank you for having me as usual. Always. Yeah, absolutely. Boxing day as usual. Hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah. <laughs>